welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. All right, well, welcome back, everyone. This is the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. I'm Ryan Aris, and it's my privilege this week to be hosting Paul Dirks. And Paul is uh, an author, a pastor, a founder of a school, and uh, some other institutions out in uh, New Westminster, B.C., uh, he is also a board game designer, and I'm sure there's uh, all of these things will describe you. None of none of them will perfectly encapsulate you, but uh, whatever it is, Paul, we're we're delighted to uh, to have you with us today. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Ryan. It's uh, it's a great privilege, and uh, I just I love uh, the Ezra Institute and everything that uh, that you guys are doing. It's it's a great privilege to be on the show. Oh, it's very gracious of you. We're glad to have you. Uh, now, Paul, you're uh, you're here today uh, because, uh, as you say, we've uh, you've been friends with the Ezra Institute, tracking with us for some time. It's uh, it's been very encouraging to know that uh, that we've got uh, got friends out west. Um, but uh, we're here today to talk about uh, another point of contact, and that is a forthcoming book that you've got uh, with Ezra Press. And that book is called Deep Discipleship for Dark Days, uh, subtitled A Manual for Holding Fast to What is Good. And I'm going uh, to turn it over to you to, to tell us sort of why you, uh, why you wrote this book and more about what it's about. But I wanted to, uh, I wanted to start uh, with the title. Uh, there, there's lots to unpack there. Uh, this is... This this is a book that comes from, you know, uh, from your your heart as a pastor, uh, as a parent of young people. Uh, you've got uh, I think you've got high school and uh, college age children, so that's there's a lot to uh, lot to be on the alert for uh, in uh, in this day and age. And this is a book this is a book for our 21st century context with plenty of contemporary uh, issues and problems. But uh, this uh, this alliterative title that I appreciate about dark days, um, I guess what what is what is your basis for speaking about uh, dark days, and in what sense is this a book uh, for and of and about uh, discipleship? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, this this book was really the the heart for this book, or my desire for it, really stemmed out of a desire for um, for helping my own church family to know how to navigate all of the all of the darkness that is that is creeping up around us, whether it is uh, totalitarianism from uh, from government or uh, even technological platforms. Whether it's the uh, the you know the evil uh, you know assault on the family through various ideologies, the LGBT comes to mind. Uh, there's there's a lot that is quickly ascending uh, as far as uh, evil and and some of it creeping into Christian persecution, uh, both in uh, very subtle ways, structural ways, but some of it some of it actually quite openly. At this point, and and there may be more coming. And my desire mm-hmm. is that our church and our people would be ready for that, uh, and that they would understand how to live wisely, productively, 
uh, and courageously in this day, not to be overwhelmed by the darkness around them. And, uh, and so that's really kind of the, kind of what's, what's stemming. And we do get, go into the, a lot of the darkness in this, in this book, but, but that really isn't the, the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is not so much to unearth what is going on, although there is some of that. The real purpose is to dig into the, uh, the discipleship that the Lord teaches and his apostles teach uh, in the scriptures, because that is sufficient. That's <laughs> we don't need a different paradigm than what we find in scripture. Um, it, what we have and what has been passed down to us is is sufficient for every era, um, and and so we just really know need to get back into the um, yeah the depth and the the seriousness of, of that kind of discipleship, in some cases, rediscovering what has been lost in, in due, you know, over time. And in some cases, just even realizing where the fight is and recognizing where, um, where the points of contact are for discipleship that are going to be more, you know, they're always important, but they might be even more important in this day and age. Right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I've appreciated that there is, you know, from the title and, uh, and all the way through the book, uh, having, uh, having read the early manuscripts, uh, and the finished, uh, finished manuscript before it goes to print here, there is a, a working assumption, uh, that you do flesh out that life in, in the West and Western culture, uh, is not as it should be, uh, if we can uh, if we can put it mildly, uh, that uh, institutions, uh, both uh, both secular and Christian, both public and private, uh, due to sin, due to complacency, uh, there is a uh, there is rot set into the institutions, and in some cases, it's been ongoing for quite some time. But con- contrary to uh, many of Many of the books, I guess, that would uh, that might sort of sit near it in the sh- on the shelf uh, in the same subject matter. Uh, your prescription is not uh, to flee to the hills. Uh, yours, uh, you've got a program. Uh, you mentioned productivity. You mentioned uh, culture building, institution building. Um, tell us about how uh, how that discipleship that you refer to uh, from from our Lord to uh, to His disciples how that, uh, some of the ways that that obtains or how that uh, gets translated into a, a 21st century context. For me, one of the uh, key ideas in scripture that uh, encapsulates our, our mission in this world is the dominion mandate of Genesis chapter one. Um, and, and I believe, I'm a firm believer in the fact that the Great Commission is really a restatement of that dominion mandate uh, in perhaps a more explicitly gospel uh, form that takes into account the fall. And of course, then branches out into all the nations with the mission of God having, in a sense, at least narrowed through the choosing of Abraham and Israel. But, you know, we see in the Lord's prayer that we are to pray that thy kingdom come. Uh, We see that in the book of Revelation, that Jesus Christ is the ruler of kings on earth. Uh, You know, with the word and and by the Holy Spirit, we are to bring Christ's uh, dominion here and 
uh, you know, none of the the realities of God's promises, uh, where Christ is seated right now, the the you know the power of the Holy Spirit, none of that has changed, even as the darkness has has risen in our days. Uh, and so, I'm committed, and I believe a a scriptural ethos. Uh, demonstrates a that we ought to have a commitment to building things for the future that are going to to last, to persevere, to grow, uh, to even uh, take over the world in a certain you know gospel Christ glorifying sense. And so uh, there is this optimism that is inherent in the scriptures, and which I believe uh, I've tried to capture in the book. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm concerned about, it's not my only concern, but one of them is that we have people that I know in my church that realize what is going on in this world to a certain degree. They see some of the, you know, the totalitarianism or some of the the creeping darkness. And, uh, and there is a tendency with some of them to get overwhelmed by, you know, what's going on um, to perhaps feel like, you know, come Lord Jesus in sort of an escape way. We, we, we always yeah. pray come Lord Jesus, but uh, we really need to press into and, and realize that there is actually not only an optimism that is scriptural granted to us, but that we ought to believe and and hope for and assume that God will grant us victory in this time and that there is in fact a great opportunity inherent in these dark days. Right. No, that's uh, that's an excellent way to uh, to describe it and this attitude obviously that uh, that I agree with. Uh, and that that again is uh, is noticeable uh, throughout uh, throughout the book, because one of, one of the things that uh, that I've noticed uh, is that there are there are defensive strategies offered uh, insofar as they are biblical uh, injunctions to uh, you know not be corrupted by you know ungodly influence. Uh, so it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not uh, a, and I'm sure you you see your uh, your share of this out west. Uh, there's a growing kind of uh, preparedness, uh, you know, like a, a growing prepper community, a, a increasingly visible uh, emphasis on sort of doomsday uh, preparation. Uh, and I know that I know several uh, Christians who are getting uh, getting caught up in this, and that's. There's not. There's not to say that you shouldn't have some water on board in case the lights go out for a couple of days, but there is a uh, there. There's a very real uh, attitude in in that uh, in that mindset and in that community that you are uh, you're not you're not trusting in God. You're not believing in the present uh, rule and reign of Christ. And one of the things that uh, that I appreciate uh, about the book is that uh, it's it's again it's focused on what uh, what you might call an offensive strategy. There is the the dominion mandate on uh, on full display. Um, one of the uh, one of the chapters is is on uh, pioneering, and 
I, I just uh, I wanted to because because of the use of that word that uh, that obviously conjures up images of the uh, the earlier pioneers. Uh, our uh, our forefathers pioneered in the New World because uh, they had no choice. But uh, maybe you could speak about pioneering uh, in the 21st century. How do we, how do we practice pioneering in a world with satellites and self-driving cars and air conditioning and things like that? Yeah. So um, the 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 chapter on pioneering was was one of my favorite chapters to write because uh, of what I mentioned as far as the opportunity that I think lies in these days. Um, yep. You know, there is a, yep. you mentioned that there is a, a rot in institutions that have been infiltrated and overcome by various godless ideologies. Um, and not only, sadly, the, the secular institutions that in some cases used to be Christian, <laughs> but, um, but in fact, you know, this is taking place in churches. This is taking place in Christian schools and Christian universities. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I go into detail. There's, there's a little bit, there is some, a little bit of expose going on in the book, uh, just to give readers uh, a bit of a flavor of, of what we're dealing with. Uh, in you know in, in some of these institutions, but what it what it creates is an opportunity for recapturing a robust Christian worldview that impacts every area of our uh, of of our culture and our communities uh, of our thinking uh, fields of of inquiry, and I think that really what it it does is it gives this. This new beginning for for those who are bold enough to take the steps forward and to trust the Lord in that pioneering work, uh, to build something new that will that will last, and it is desperately needed in these days. Um, a couple of institutions that I've been involved with out here in BC um, revolve around education, and uh, so we and and some some friends of mine uh, have have begun a. Uh, a church-based classical Christian school concept in which we are seeking to plant, uh, again, these robustly Christian uh, classical schools inside of church buildings that are often not used Monday to Friday, and to be able to offer a, uh, a godly alternative to uh, to churches for for educating their children, but we're also uh, right now building. We've we've had one year of kind of going through our our guinea pig stage, and it and it went exceptionally well uh, with a liberal arts college. Uh, again, you know, trying to ground our people deeply in the word, but also how that word affects every area of our of our thinking, whether it's. Uh, whether it's apologetics and, and politics and and law and health and um, just everything, right? We need the gospel for everything. The gospel is key, but it has implications and it has implications for for everything. And so, uh, I'm excited about these institutions, but I'm I'm excited about others that are taking up this vision. And when I hear about whether it's an educational uh, you know, a new Christian classical school that started in another part of the province by a group that's not associated with us or something that's mm -hmm. happening, um, you know, on the prairies or, or out east. Uh, it, it thrills my heart because I think that 
Uh, I think that's one of the things that the Lord Jesus is doing right now is is stirring people up to begin new things in a day where the the rot is just so uh, thorough. Uh, the, the walls of our institutions have just crumbled to the ground, and it's going to take some people that that know how to how to build with with trowel in one hand and sword in the other. Uh, these are, uh, in some sense, dangerous days, and it requires boldness. It requires someone with vision. Um, but you know, often what we find, as as Nehemiah, Nehemiah found in building. Uh, the walls of Jerusalem is that uh, when you set out the vision, you take a few steps forward that the Lord is calling many people to join in that work. And, uh, and I think it is just a wonderful day for pioneering, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we've, uh, my, just anecdotally, my family and a couple others are involved in getting a new, uh, a new classical Christian school started up uh, here in Southern Ontario. And it's a, uh, it's very exciting. It is, uh, and we have uh, we've seen exactly that. And there, I think uh, the that uh, the old you know, the old expression that uh, you know courage and faithfulness are contagious, and people are mm. are waiting for someone to to take a step here. And once uh, once you've embarked down the path, uh, there there will be people to come after you. Where there are. This this is something that I say to all of our uh, our program applicants when uh, when they they talk about why they why do you want to come to an Ezra Institute program, and they're they're interested. One of the things most of them are interested in is finding like minded people, finding people who yeah who have uh, a similar who are seeing the world and saying I'm I can't be the only one who is who is noticing this, and uh, and it's uh, it's been such an encouragement. To to know that, well, okay, yeah, there are there are more of us than uh, than we realize, and we're kind of we're starting to find one another, and uh, and get together to build, and it uh, it truly is just to all that to uh, to reinforce and get back to your point that it is an exciting and a a great time of opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, just uh, you know, I uh, just to give a shout out here, I, I was at um, Runner Academy. When it was That's here right. in, in BC, yeah. uh, just uh, a year, well, I guess, uh, two years ago now. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And um, and what a phenomenal training opportunity that was. And, and again, it was that like-mindedness where we can um, be educated and and uh, and think, you know, thoroughly about the gospel's implications. But really, it, it's it's the being warmed and being challenged by like-minded people that, that was just such an amazing um, opportunity. And, and uh, yeah, I just greatly appreciated it. I, I've told a number of people, my, my line when I talk about uh, the Evan Runner Academy is that I, I went into it having high expectations and it, it actually exceeded those expectations. So uh, there's, there's a, a shout out for what it's worth. Oh, that's, a, that's great to hear. I'm gonna gonna cut that part out and put it into a new promo video. <laughs> um, yeah, great. Well, um, Paul, what uh, what do you when when people sit down to read the book uh, and each of the chapters they uh, they work together, they fit together. It's meant to, it's meant to be read as a book, but they are also discrete subjects that where you could uh, you could extract sections and. It, give them to someone who is uh, who is pursuing or struggling with uh, 
some certain aspect of culture building or of discipleship. Uh, but I guess my, my point in all of that questioning or preamble is just when someone does pick up the book, what, to, what do you hope that they come away with after reading it? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. So I, um, the book is really meant to help people in practical ways respond to the, uh, everything, all the changes that are going around, uh, that are going on around us. So many of which of course are, are negative, uh, or, uh, or evil. And, uh, you know, so optimistically, what do we do? How do we respond? How do God's promises apply? What do we lean into? And then um, being readied with that so that we can live, you know, faithful, productive, courageous lives and really change the world for Christ. So one of the, one of the ways that, I mean, the, the way the book starts is by, you know, there's, um, there's a several exhortations, the book titles or, or the uh, chapter titles are exhortations. Uh, and and uh, the first one is buy a sword, uh, which mm-hmm. is riffing off of Christ's. I mean, that, that, those are Christ's words. Uh, yep. and, and there's this question that kind of floats behind the chapter as to whether when Christ says that he means that symbolically or not. Um, you know, whether or not you agree with me that yeah, it, it very well could be a symbolic statement. At the very least, we know that the scriptures regularly use the idea of the sword as the word of God. And the idea that we need in this, in this dark day, one of the things we need to start with is the idea that we are a prophetic people that speak boldly for Christ. And it is through the word on our lips that we are enabled to bring the gospel and the change uh, of Christ to this world. And so you have to start with this martial idea. And, and I think that as Canadians, I, I think this is one of our weaknesses, Ryan. I think mm-hmm. that we are, um, I, I think that there's something, you know, positive, inherent in sort of our Canadian culture. We're a very, uh, I, I would say, a kind of a humble people. Uh, we tend to be a very kind people. But at the same time, we, we don't, we've lost our martial spirit largely. And, uh, and, you know, we need courage. We need bold speaking in order to be able to, to change, whether it's Canada, whether it's North America, whether it's the world, we need to speak the word. Uh, we are prophetic people. And, and, you know, Christ says, you know, if you, if you speak the way I speak, there's going to be some, yeah, you're going to have some difficulties in the world, but nonetheless, that is what we have been tasked and left here to do. That's, that's how we, we bring change into the world. So, um, you know, I start with this idea of embracing the adventure before us, of embracing this martial uh, idea that really I think is inherent right there, if in sort of a fundamental way, maybe a way that doesn't yet uh, take into account, of course, the fall. It's like, of course, that gets ratcheted up in a whole new way once you have sin into the world and and we have the devil as our enemy and, and, and evil powers that reflect, um, you know, Satan's... Uh, evil and and um, and all that he's bringing into into this world. Of course, <laughs> our, our own evil that uh, um, with original sin and all that that all the implications thereof. Uh, but but it starts with listen, embrace what's before you. Uh, there is an adventure here that you're made for. Uh, there is a uh, a weapon that you've been given, 
and you need you need to start with that. Right. That's a, it's a good exhortation, good series of exhortations. Uh, one of the things that uh, that you've mentioned in the book that I just wanted to uh, to pull out here, and I do this uh, partly because uh, what one of the things that I appreciate about uh, about you, Paul, specifically, is that you're you're not uh, what you might call an armchair theologian. Uh, you are uh, you're looking to working to put to put boots on the ground, practice what you preach, uh, any other uh, expression that that you want to uh, want to use. And uh, actually, if uh, if those of our listeners are are in the uh, you know the BC uh, Western Canada area, uh, you might be familiar with Paul because he's uh, he's had a bit of a presence on local media uh, over the past couple of years, haven't you? For uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're all right. Let's. Uh, I'll take. I'll take the knowing chuckle as all the uh, all the knowledge that that you need. Let's uh, let's dive into uh, into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I've been very active on um, issues of gender and sexuality. This started. Uh, I'll try to tell the. I mean, it's it's an it, it is a God glorifying story, and I'll try to tell it quickly here. But uh, for a long time, actually, Ryan, we were involved in the public school system. I, I had uh, a public school upbringing that I felt was 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 quite good for me, um, and uh, and so we had our children in the public school system where we were involved. I was on the on the parents advisory council and um, our school district, school district 40 brought, were, was about to bring in uh, a new um, series of changes to the gender and sexuality kind of aspect of um, you know, their policies. And they were looking for feedback from, from our, you know, our parents council. And so I thought, well, I mean, here, here they're looking for feedback. How could I possibly as a Christian wanting to spread the good news, wanting to defend my child as well? How, how could I fail to give that? So I had some idea of where that could end up, but you know, you, you take those, those steps and you never know where they end up. Um, that first kind of, those first couple steps ended up taking me to, you know, to our board meetings and and speaking out against aspects, as you might imagine of that SOGI policy. Um, you know, had my name with one other, I think one other youth pastor joined me kind of, we had our names on the front of the, the local newspaper, uh, not in a positive way, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't really take that much of a hit in the community at that point. Um, that happened uh, a little while later when across my desk, uh, came some news about bill C 16, which was, um, mm-hmm. some of your listeners will know, but was to put gender identity and expression into the human rights code. Uh, going back now, probably maybe six years ago that, uh, the listener could maybe check me on that. Um, and, uh, and so it really was under the radar and it had already passed in the house because of that. And it was now heading to the Senate. So I felt like there was barely any time to do something about it, but that I had to do something about it. I've done a lot of work, uh, not only on, um, you know, understanding what the scriptures say about gender and sexuality, but also a lot of work on the peer reviewed medical literature, which I've read, um, quite extensively in, and I've uh, produced a number of articles, uh, that your readers may be interested in for, uh, the public discourse and other places. Um, had had opportunity to train a number of, of pastors and apologists on on some of this stuff, um, and uh, and eventually we we started. I and some friends started a um, 
this this movement uh, called Women Means Something to interact with senators, especially at that time, on women's uh, sex-based rights and their privacies and protections. And uh, and this had this had some serious implications. Where you know one day I, I all of a sudden the the local uh, major news is phoning me up on my cell phone on on my Monday my day off and saying, hey, listen, we'd like to interview you about uh, about this campaign. And so all of a sudden, I, you know, what are you going to do? do you, are you going to run from that? Or are you going to step into that? And, and I made a decision that day that I, I think, you know, without judging others, I think has um, had good, you know, it's, it's had good results in my life. And that is that if the, the media asks me to comment on something, I will. I'm not going to run away from that. And the reason is that somebody needs to speak out publicly or else that public voice is lost. And somebody needs to do it. Somebody needs to be willing to. And so if I can serve the body of Christ in that way, then I'm, you know, I'm willing to do that. So um, it's, uh, it's been a, a journey. We've had our church, uh, you know, protested against at one point. I've, there's been multiple times I've been interviewed. And, and of course, as you know, and, and as well, as many people will know, uh, whether firsthand or secondhand knowledge, you know, when they're, uh, you know, in the media, has their microphone on you for 30, 45 minutes, they're going to stitch together the parts that fit the narrative as best they want. Um, but at the same time, uh, I just think that, you know, courage is needed in our day and age. And so we, we have to, we have to uh, deal with that. So there's been a lot of different ways in which I've been involved and, and uh, whether it's training church leaders and pastors, whether it is, um, uh, organizing protests and rallies, we've had we've had well attended protests and rallies by some pretty key people, including Maxine Bernier and Derek Sloan. Um, a couple of years, we had one uh, surrounding this uh, fellow uh, who is a friend of mine, who um, whose daughter was transitioning. He's this fellow that's been in the news for many years. Um, many of your listeners may be aware of of some of his case, and and so we did a rally kind of in support of him. And, uh, and, and we had 500 people right in downtown Vancouver, which is just like right next door, almost within sort of what is considered the LGBT hard to Vancouver. Um, so yeah, we, you know, I think it's important that if I can just give a word of exhortation to pastors that may be listening, I, pastors, I think that you need to grasp that you are the chief sufferer of your people, that they need to see you suffering for the sake of the gospel in public ways, and that this will empower and encourage and strengthen your church um, to, you know, to follow in your footsteps. That's a great word, Paul. I really appreciate that. And it's, uh, it's encouraging just to, uh, th again, think back uh, to where we started here with the title of this book of Deep Discipleship for Dark Days. It's just encouraging to to realize and to remember that we are uh, we are members of Christ's kingdom, uh, and that kingdom uh, is advancing and will continue to advance. You know, long after Amen. the role that uh, that you or I have to play uh, ha after we've expired and uh, done our bit and gone on. And this, uh, it's it's just a. A, w a wonderful thought to realize that uh, as we talk about building, that we ourselves we can we can, we can be thought of as you know as projects to be completed, and uh, and retired. 
And but the you know the kingdom itself is you know an institution that grows and develops and advances, and it's uh, it, it's just it's encouraging to uh, to see you just faithfully working uh, working in that lane in the places where you've been called. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. Yeah, and and you know by no means is is everyone's call the same. We recognize that, but. Uh, but there sure is a need for for courage, whatever that you know, whatever however that attaches to your call, and there is a need for uh, having, um, yeah, a, a yeah, as you said, a, a dominion mindset, as we've been saying, um, a kingdom mindset, where mm-hmm. our whether it's our families, our churches, our institutions that we build outlive us and outlast us, and and that that's crucial, right. Well, Paul, I'm uh, I'm really grateful for the uh, the time that uh, we've had here together today. I'm excited for this uh, this book to come out. Uh, the uh, just as a uh, matter of of business, the the book is uh, on its way to the printers. Pre-orders are available. Uh, those are at uh, EzraPress.com. And Paul, you'll also have some. Uh, tell us. Uh, for the, for those who who are going to want to track closer with you, what are uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm active um, on Twitter, and people if they follow me on Twitter, Paul Dirks, just very simple, Paul Dirks is my handle there. Uh, they'll note that a lot of it is oriented towards some of my advocacy, uh, and so it, it's kind of that's why I started it, and so it's kind of skews that way a little bit, just so your readers are aware. But I also have a, a, a new blog that's up that's tracking with some of the projects and just even thinking and writing that, that I'm doing. So that's uh, dirksfamily.ca, dirksfamily.ca. Perfect. Well, we'll make sure to, uh, to link up our, uh, our listeners with you. Paul, again, the, the book is Deep Discipleship for Dark Days. It's, uh, it's available very shortly. It's available for pre-order purchase now. And uh, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to... Uh, to see you and talk with you. I Thank you, Ryan. It has been a great pleasure to be here. Yeah. I love, I love what you guys are doing and uh, it's great to be able to link arms. Amen. No, it's, uh, it's so good to have allies. Well, this has been the podcast for cultural reformation. I remind you as always that from him and through him and to him are all things. May God alone be glorified and we'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.